Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Why can't we hear Bick? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, all right, here we go. Buttons are hard. All right, there we oh, go. Oh, my God, that's there so much go. better. I don't know how to work this thing. <laughs> A terrific Tuesday, everybody. How Neither yeah, did the last person that sat there, apparently. Yeah, right? What's that? <laughs> Neither did the last person who yeah, sat there. Quite well, clearly, why I do these things get it. messed up? I don't know. I don't touch. You know me. I don't touch anything. You don't touch anything. I, I don't touch anything. Yeah. With the MC Hammer of... Host, <laughs> don't touch. I bring that. my own laptop in. I don't. I don't touch this thing or this thing. Whatever. Yeah. yeah you are so, too legit to quit. How about that? So happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Welcome Tuesday. to the dawn of a new era for our football team. And you know who needs a dawn of a new era? Is college football needs a dawn of a new era. Yeah, we need. I think we need more teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get more SEC football in our lives. How about that? <laughs> We're just about to the point where the SEC. Breaks off. The SEC and the Big Ten break off into their own super division, right? Yeah. For those who did not wait to the end of the football game, and I'm guessing it's about 98% of the people, 65 to 7. That's the largest margin of victory in a college football playoff championship game ever. I watched it. uh, I watched the first half pick, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to get any better. And I didn't watch a second of the second half. I'm not afraid to admit that. I didn't even know what the final score was until I woke up this yeah, morning. Yeah, that's kind of the way to do it. That what what an anticlimactic way to end a season. Well, huh? at least we waited seven weeks for it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, we forgot that it was still in season. Then said, so, "Oh, there's a national championship." Yeah. And when it was ten seven, I was like, Poof, "Oh, okay, cool. what a game here!" Right. And yeah. then it was one of those rare games too, where it was. And I do this because I'm stupid. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, it was seventeen seven Georgia, and you're like, "Wow." Georgia's on pace to score 68 points. Oh, it wow. never happens. It almost did, last, it almost night. did almost. last night. Yeah, the worst thing about a game like last night is it is it empowers all the people who'd go, see, it should have been Alabama. Yeah. See, a three-loss SEC team would be better than this. Yeah, so whatever. Put Notre Dame. I feel horrible yeah. for TCU I, because it was such a great story. To come back from a five-win season last year, and nobody expected them. I'm just happy for Georgia. Because according to their head coach, they were doubted all season. Nobody long. believed in them. Nobody no, believed in them. No, did he really say that? He did. did. He really say that? You have to if you're a college football coach. There's a there's a recording. I don't know if you guys have heard it. There's a I think it's sort of like um, um, a pirated recording of Kirby Smart's pregame pep talk. It's filthy, vile.
Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. Really, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He he he's apparently legendary for his pregame speeches, but he gets he gets off the rails. Um, you, you, you talk about empathy and feel bad. How about the people um, in Texas who said, hey, "Let's go." I do spend, feel bad for the people in Texas. Well, right now. let's go spend a ton of money. Let's go to Southern California because at least it's going to be beautiful. Uh, we have a good friend who's a TCU alum who spent a mint to go to that game. Our guy Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What a wonder, loser. Wonder how he's feeling today. <laughs> I gotta check in I knew with Ian this morning. To text him last night. I was like, nope. Yeah, I'm gonna. How about if you're? How about if you're TCU and you went to both games and you got the one week in the year in Arizona where it rained and then one week in LA where it oh, rained? How about that? <laughs> how about that? Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's yeah. People are trying to figure that out. Why is it raining in this football stadium when there's an alleged roof over our heads? Literally on uh-huh. us. Why is it raining on us? Yes. I'm also not an architecture expert, but anytime they show an extra Internal shot of SoFi Stadium. I have the same thought. I was like, "How is that a stadium? It looks so strange." You've it, been there, haven't you? I, I've been there. It's it's better in person than it looks on television, but yeah. it's still it's like it's an architect on acid is what that <laughs> is that that thing yeah. right there. I I just don't understand what what the criteria was when they built that stadium. It's Southern California. You don't need a canopy. I mean, last night withstanding, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Looks looks over. Uh, Functionality. There's like nothing. Like. Around. It's it's right next to the old forum, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really around it. The new Clippers Arena is going up there too. Just there was uh, there was some footage yesterday. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be oh. just a marvelous building. Yeah. There was footage yesterday of these three sad TCU fans sitting in a pickup truck tailgating by themselves. I've heard this joke before. No, it's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. They were actually parked in the parking lot, pounding Jack Daniels by themselves, Oof. trying to replicate a tailgating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you couldn't even tailgate so that. Sad. Right, that is sad, isn't yeah. it? You know, you got an issue when you've got to create your own tailgate. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's start the show, Jarrett. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. And the Arizona Cardinals have started their process of sweeping changes after a terrible 4-13 and season. They fired head coach Cliff Kingsbury and accepted the resignation of general manager Steve Kime, who was stepping away for health reasons. Owner Michael Bidwell addressed the media yesterday, repeatedly said that the searches for both positions will include, quote, casting a net far and wide, end quote, to find the right candidates. Bidwell did acknowledge that both Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris have been interviewed for the GM position already, as well as one candidate from the outside. Bidwell also did say it's likely defensive coordinator Vance Joseph will get an interview for the head coaching position. Kingsbury finished his four-year tenure with the Cardinals 28-37-1 with one playoff appearance and zero postseason wins. Yeah, um, I walked away from yesterday feel- feeling invigorated about our football mm-hmm. team. This is half the battle. They, now you've got to follow up with smart uh, hires from the outside, external hires, but uh, but I came away with a with a level of optimism I wasn't expecting to feel, and I'll explain why later. Yes, uh, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Cardinals have requested interviews with San Francisco 49ers director of pro personnel Rand Carthon and 49ers assistant GM Adam Peters. Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports reported that Arizona has reached out to Chicago uh, the Chicago Bears to interview Bears. their assistant GM Ian Cunningham, who's also meeting with the Tennessee.
Tennessee Titans about their vacant GM position. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported the Cardinals have also requested an interview with Tennessee Titans Director of Player Personnel, Monty Ossenford. So the, the wheels are turning. Tremendous news concerning Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. He was released from the UC Medical Center in Cincinnati just one week after receiving CPR following cardiac arrest during last Monday's game between the Bills and the Bengals. Hamlin was transferred to Buffalo General Medical Center, Gates Vascular Institute, and will continue to receive treatment as he recovers there. Did you see the story, too, that uh, DeMar Hamlin, while he was still at the UC Medical Center, during watching the game on mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. after the kickoff return, set off every alarm in the ICU yeah, because he got up and was yeah, jumping up fabulous. and down. That's fabulous. <laughs> uh, absolute boat race in the college football playoff championship game, and it was the Georgia Bulldogs that had the faster boat. They beat uh, TCU 65-7. to Stetson Bennett threw for 304 yards and four touchdowns, ran for two scores. Georgia outgained TCU by 401 yards, 589 to 188. And the Bulldogs' defense forced three TCU turnovers. They win their second consecutive championship. It was 38 to 7. They went to halftime, and Sonny Dykes asked him, What are you going to do? He's like, Well, we just got to get settled in. I'm thinking, "Uh, It's long past the time for that, homie. It's time to get on the bus, is what it is. Maybe not show up for the second. Right. During last night's broadcast, ESPN's Kirk Herbstreit dropped a nugget that Deion Sanders' coaching tenure at Colorado will begin with a Week 0 game against Kenny Dillingham's Arizona State Sun Devils. Wow. Although nothing has been confirmed at this point, ASU was scheduled to open its season August 31st, and still is for that matter, against Southern Utah at Sun Devil Stadium. So a potential Week 0 matchup would take place just five days earlier on August 26th. Hmm. August 26th and Sun Devils the earlier That's, the uh, worse is yeah. it one of the it's not a one of those conference games that doesn't count as a conference game or is it there, no that it's a conference game it would it would have to count yeah I'd recommend a 10 p.m. kickoff if I were them unless it moves to a a, a neutral site State Farm Stadium booked that day mm-hmm. I don't know I got to do some research uh, Suns in action tonight they start a four game road trip in San Francisco against the forty uh, not the 49ers the Warriors Suns Suns are reeling. They've lost six straight, still without Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, and Chris Paul. And now we're getting to the laughable levels on the injury report. Is DeAndre Ayton, Landry Shamit, and Torrey Craig all questionable for tonight as well? Oh, boy. The Warriors uh, might have Steph Curry back. He hasn't played since December 14th because of a shoulder injury. He's listed as questionable slash probable. Clay Thompson, who missed Saturday's loss at Orlando with knee soreness, is probable to play. That game gets underway at 8. Pre-game starts at 7.30 on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. A little bit of a shake-up in the AP Top 25 College Basketball rankings. Houston takes over the top spot, followed by Kansas. Purdue falls to third, and then Alabama and Tennessee. UCLA moved up three spots to number seven. They are the top-ranked Pac-12 team. Arizona fell from fifth to ninth after their home loss to Washington State on Saturday. And the Coyotes continue their homestand. They host the San Jose Sharks at Mullet Arena in Tempe. Yotes trying to snap a five-game skid. The Sharks have dropped two in a row at five of six. Puck drops at seven. Pre-game coverage at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 6.20. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Coming up, the Arizona Cardinals take the first step in turning things around. The coach is gone. The GM is gone. We'll react next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
when you look at the totality of the season, there were a lot of things, whether it was Hop's suspension or, or injuries or, or some of the other things that, that occurred. I think the number one thing is, you know, we need we need to really uh, make sure that we're getting the most out of those players, and that the players are a hundred percent committed to making sure that we do everything we can do. And I've been speaking to some of our leaders, and uh, they're th- we want to make sure that we've got the culture of that locker room, the culture of our uh, organization, really focused on maximum effort and making sure we do everything we can do to win the NFC West. Michael Bidwell, owner of the Arizona Cardinals, during his press conference yesterday, about a 20-minute session out at the Mm -hmm. Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, in which it was uh, made official. Cardinals moving on from Cliff Kingsbury. His time as the head coach of uh, the Arizona Cardinals is over after four years. Steve Keim stepping away from his position as general manager, closing the door on any potential return there, which, you know, I, I... I didn't expect Steve Kime to be back in any capacity, although I thought that was an interesting development yesterday, too. So did I. Michael Bidwell talked about uh, being taken uh, taken aback uh, by Steve Kime uh, leaving. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was um, I, I don't want to get into details, but I, I didn't see that coming uh, earlier this year either. Hmm. He didn't see this coming or that coming earlier this year, mm-hmm. meaning I, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I, I do think what's the most interesting thing to me, though, is the leaving the organization. That's that's a lot different than what uh, Jordan Schultz was reporting yesterday, which seemed to be, hey, Steve, we can't bring you back, but just bide your time and we'll reinstate you in some cushy position later on because right. you're because you're a made man, Steve. We'll, we'll find space. Yeah, for we'll you. find don't space. Worry. Don't worry, man. We got your back. We got to get you out of the spotlight. It's a completely different feel than that. So I, I, yeah, I walked into yesterday's press conference. I was expecting, I was expecting a terse, tight, buttoned up Michael Bidwell. I was really uh, surprised the vibe that came off him. And I was surprised for the better. I, I thought he was open. I thought he was. There was a warmth to him. He kind of felt to me like a guy that is sort of like a guy that has been in a a codependent relationship for a long time. Suddenly waking up and going, "Hey, I can do this. Yeah. It's just me." <laughs> I kind of got that vibe too, it, it, uh, right. and I had the same reaction. Um, it wasn't the the doom and gloom session that that no. maybe I expected and, Same. and maybe I was led to believe that or we were led to believe that by all the speculation before you know this news breaks at nine fifty four right when our show is ending yesterday mm-hmm. that the Cardinals are are moving on from Cliff Kingsbury so we didn't have a lot of time to react to it yesterday but in the in the weeks and the days leading up to that decision. You know, you got these reports coming out from Jeremy Fowler and Josh Weinfuss, and you have to wonder, you know, these guys are under contract for five more seasons starting in 2023. Does Michael Bidwell want to write that check? And that was kind of, I guess, the basis of that feeling of yeah. how how big are these changes going to be because of the financial ramifications to it. And, um, you know, there was reference and there was a couple jokes uh, made, made along those lines yesterday. Hey, you guys aren't going to have to worry about it. Um, oh, yeah. At one but, point in time, Michael Bidwell dropped my name and said I would pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. we got to talk on during the break. What, what are they paying you here? Yeah, no, yeah, that was yeah. No, he's sadly mistaken. But I'm, yeah. uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he views me as such. Can we have breakfast burritos after we the can show? Do, yeah, sure, we can do that. the butter bacon we cheeseburger. <laughs> I want to eat like a king. Um, so yeah, I, I I had the same takeaway, and that was all right. 
there's still that that drive to succeed, that drive to win. And in that soundbite that we just played, you know, it's about winning the NFC West. And a quick turnaround, I'm not saying it's guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, but it's very possible. And I I, I think Michael Bidwell hit on a good point there. If you find the right people and the right Mm -hmm. mix... A quick turnaround yeah. is possible in yes. the NFL. So, yeah, so when you talk about preconceived notions, I was expecting the kind of buttoned up uh, on high alert kind of guy, and he kind of had his guard down a little bit, which I which I appreciated. Uh, for those who were fearing that this would be just in-house promotions, the way he addressed that, um, he repeated himself about casting a net far and wide, mm-hmm. and, and yet at the same point in time, he's he, there have been some candidates that have been already identified that the Cardinals are looking Looking at and and smart football people are going, huh? Okay, that makes sense. Michael was very open about how he doesn't have a GM now, so he's leaning on some of his contacts to let him know who the the hot young candidates are. So it all sounded very honest to me, and I think it was it was much needed. And and I think that you know a lot of it, it came down to the way that Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury began to operate in these official press settings, and that is you, you didn't and you really you learned to not really trust anything anyone was saying because there was either so much obfuscation or just outright fibs and and it was just so i think that i i think a lot of people went into this thing yesterday expecting a and you got b and you thought okay it it sounds to me like a guy that's you know really okay that's really got a clear picture of what he has to do so again he's halfway there it, it he's got to he's got to finish the job with the right hires and if he comes back you know 3 weeks from now and and Quentin Harris and Vance Joseph for the team going forward then then i think we'll have issues but that wasn't the vibe i got yesterday at at all. Well, the repetition of the phrase cast a net far and wide, if that f- casting of a net far and wide leads to the people closest to you, how legit was the process? That's right. That's so right. yeah, I, I think what you just said is fair. We would probably have an issue with that, at least initially. Uh, Cliff, or excuse me, Michael Bidwell was also asked, hey, uh, things did not go well this year, but did you consider giving Cliff Kingsbury another chance? Throughout the season, I was hoping, I think we were all hoping that things would turn around. And uh, we had a lot of um, you know uh, uh, players really step up and, and, and try to help us turn around. It just didn't happen. So I felt, you know, in taking all of those, the, the entire season in, into consideration, it was just time for a change. My hope was much different. Our hope a year ago was much different for how the 2022 season, uh, we just were hoping and planning that we would continue to progress. Instead, we regressed. And I think it just got to a point where it's time for a change. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we heard the, the, the weekly statements from Cliff Kingsbury. We got to, we got to get better. We got to get better. And it became frustrating to hear mm-hmm. after a while because nothing got better. And I, it appears that Michael Bidwell felt the same way that even before, you know, the last month, you can pretty much erase it. It was exhibition football right. but with the guys that the Cardinals had out there. Yeah. But when there were still, you know, starters out there and, and even dealing with injuries, it never did get better. And this was this was 100 percent the right move. I, yeah, I think I think Michael Bidwell. I, th- I think he uh, he had an epiphany. I think we saw it live during the episode of Hard Knocks uh-huh. when when Cliff couldn't figure out what to say to the team after that loss to Tampa, and Michael just kind of looked at him like, "Well, we're waiting." And I, I think he realized Cliff Kingsbury his his fatal flaw in all of this is that he was unable to hold NFL players accountable. And I've got a theory on that. And I, the theory is it's because he never had success as a player in the NFL. He was a short timer in the NFL, and he had never coached in the NFL. So he, deep down, I think, recognized, I 
I, I didn't deserve this. I, I did not earn this. So I am going to come off as fronting if I come in and, and try to hold guys to a standard I was never able to meet as a player and or as a coach. So, I mean, I think that and, – and that I don't think is unique to Cliff Kingsbury. I think that is something unique in the NFL. If you over-promote a guy who's not ready, he ain't going to have a shot because you're not going to win the respect of men. And Cliff Kingsbury didn't even try because he knew – I, I, I don't have the cred here. Yeah. I can't ask for this. Uh, it's now, hard, maybe I'm wrong. It's but hard that's to my gut. It's hard to doubt that though. But it, it it only becomes an issue if the guy who's been given the opportunity buys into that thinking. There's been plenty of guys in the history of sports and outside of sports, plenty of people who have been given an opportunity that wasn't earned. And sometimes those work out because you don't buy into those narratives. Hey, I got an opportunity here. Regardless of how it was granted, I'm going to work with it. Cliff Kingsbury certainly comes off as a guy where that was always in the back of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, hey, I, yes. ju- I jumped the line. Yeah. Uh, who am I to tell these guys what's what? Yeah. Yeah. From game one, when he said he thought he was going to get fired at yeah. halftime. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, so, so I, so I, props to Michael Bidwell for credit for when he said yesterday it was just time for a change. I thought, boom, he's, he's got the thread. Mm hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, believe it or not, the Phoenix Suns start the second half of their schedule tonight what? in San Francisco against the Warriors. Kind of give a high-level high breakdown of the Suns through 41 high games, and it ain't all that pretty. Uh, we'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Anytime you've been through what this team has been through, I mean, we had such a, a good start, and then the last um, 21 games or so, it's been one hit in the mouth after another. So naturally, you're going to be, you know, stressed and emotionally challenged. But as I tell the guys all the time, man, nobody's digging ditches, going off to war or anything like that. It's basketball, and if this is the toughest thing you have to deal with, consider yourself blessed. You know. We're going to continue to do what we do. Our objective is to try to win games and develop, and it doesn't matter who is in your locker room. That's got to be your mentality every day. 41 games down, 41 to go for the Phoenix Suns. That stretch begins tonight in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors, who, oh, by the way, they're just getting Steph Curry back tonight. Mm. No no big deal. Uh, The Suns continue to be massively underhanded, and that could be an understatement going into tonight with the injuries. But uh, that was Monty Williams, the head coach, after... The Suns' last game against Cleveland, and uh, you know things. It has been a tale of, of of two chunks of twenty or so games. Oh yeah! After the twentieth game of the year, the Suns had just beaten Sacramento on the road to go to fourteen and six. Devin Booker had forty four points. The Suns were in first place in the Western Conference. The last twenty one games, things have not gone that way. Six and fifteen. So at twenty and twenty one. Um, they're still in the eighth spot in the Western Conference. They are seven and a half games behind the first seed, the Denver Nuggets. But if you look at the lumping and, and the grouping in the Western Conference, big mm-hmm. behind them, you've got Portland at nineteen and twenty, Utah at twenty and twenty three, the Lakers at nineteen and twenty two, and Oklahoma City at eighteen and twenty two. So you're, you're a game and a half out of thirteenth place in the yeah. West right now. Yeah. Um, yes. Here's here's something I read that I think really kind of hammered that point home. Um, in the month of December, we saw a lot of different teams in the West kind of dip their toe in, into being the best 
best team in the West. Mm-hmm. The Suns were that team. The Nuggets were that team. The Grizzlies were that team. The Pelicans were that team. Uh, out of those four, only one team is in a complete free fall now, and that is the Phoenix Suns, who were, as you said, 14 and 6. They were 15 and 6 at one point in time, and, and look at them now. Um, I, I think you can make the numbers tell you anything you want them to tell you. You can look at them and see a real ominous picture. You can look at them and say, oh, they're not that far away. Um, I think you got to look at the state of the Phoenix Suns and, and, and try to figure out what we are looking at here. And the thing that um, for all the little things and the injuries and the guys who are coming back and how much different it will look when Devin Booker um, returns, I can't get past the fact that um, this basketball team became a title contender, became a, a, a playoff uh, uh, there was no doubt this team was going to make the playoffs when Chris Paul and Devin Booker were both kind of star material in the NBA. Uh-huh. Devin Booker's actually gotten better. His star quotient has gone up, I think. Totally agree. Right? But Chris Paul's has plummeted from what he's been in the past few years. And, and I think that's the that's at the root of this deficit this basketball team is feeling. That even at full strength, this basketball team would be struggling to compensate for the attrition to Chris Paul's game at age 37 and what has been a, a relatively uh, uneventful offseason in terms of addition, if not just subtractions. So so I think that I think the team's incomplete. I think the team, even as it is now, when healthy, is not built to win a playoff series, maybe one. Um, so I, I think we're all hoping on this vague hope that at some point in time in the very near future, some reinforcements are going to come. I just think that every loss and every game that goes by, more people are wondering what in the world is James Jones waiting for if he is really being honest that there is nothing standing in his way that Robert Sarver is not being a roadblock at this point then what is he waiting for now there's a lot of people who think nah he might be covering for Robert Sarver and Sam Garvin a couple of guys who have who have made his promotions very possible so there's a level of loyalty that James Jones has to them and he knows they're on their way out and and so so there's that so maybe there is um, because keep in mind Brian Windhorst broke the story about this um, Robert Sarver veto power. And if Brian Windhorst has any source on the Phoenix Suns, it's probably James Jones, who was a member of that LeBron James Cleveland team that Brian Windhorst was um, embedded with as a member of the ESPN reporting crew. So, uh, and again, I'm speculating here, but but what else do we got to work with? Yeah, I don't, I wasn't here last week, obviously, when that story came out, so I don't know how much you guys hit on it. But, again, the story was, uh, you know, Robert Sarver still uh, somehow has veto power over any trade uh, or addition that is for over the league average salary, which Jay Crowder's salary is just over that threshold. So is is that the holdup? You know, James Jones goes on Burns and Gambo every week, and he said that's not been the holdup. No. They're waiting for the player that they want. And, but the answer, if you listen to it closely, it's a very slippery answer. Yes. There's You don't know exactly whether he's skirting. It's weird, Vinny. It's weird. Yeah, but let's face it. I mean, yeah. The trade of Jay Crowder right now, and and are the Suns and James Jones right now overvaluing what they can get for Jay Crowder? Probably. I mean, it's probably happening. So whatever comes back for Jay Crowder individually in that trade is not going to change the dynamic of the Phoenix Suns. What will change the dynamic is health. And you brought it up. When healthy is this team equipped to win a championship? I tend to agree with you. They can win some playoff games. They can win a series. They can make things very interesting, Mm -hmm. I think. Right. But do they have the horses to get over the top? I don't know. And that's because of 
the last two off seasons. You know, what has happened at the deadline the last two off seasons? Tory Craig's been the addition both times. Yeah. And Tory Craig has been a, 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 a valuable part of this team. He's been pressed into starting duty. Um, and for the most part, I think he's been good. Probably better than people expected, especially after what how he performed last year after that trade from Indiana at the mm-hmm. deadline. But is that enough? You know, when, when you're that close and you suffer that disappointing exit to your season, you're up 2 nothing on Dallas and they come back and absolutely embarrass you in your house in Game 7, mm-hmm. that should be the impetus for some substantial change to the roster. And outside of sprinkling in some role players, and a lot of those guys have been good at times. Yeah. You know, Damian Lee's been good at times. Jock Landale's been good at times. But those are not the guys. Those no. are not the Malcolm Brogdons no. of the world no. that come in and no. change the dynamic no. and improve your overall yeah, product. We were saying that last week, that, you know, a Kogi, Dwayne Washington Jr., Damian yes. Lee, Jock Landale, they can all give you, like, one good game out of five. But they're not consistent enough, especially when they need to step up when players go down. They're role players. Yes. They're, they're good players to have on a team when you have five, you know, borderline all-stars. Yeah. And without Devin Booker, I mean, right now this roster is Devin Booker and a lot of role players. Now, some play bigger roles, but when you don't have Devin Booker as the linchpin of your offense, mm-hmm. people are, are leaning on Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges had 15 points the other night, which is, and he shot a high percentage. Mm-hmm. Is it enough without Devin Booker? No. But Mikel Bridges is not going to be a 35-point scorer in this no. league. DeAndre Ayton doesn't create enough on his own to be a 35-point scorer in this league. Devin Booker makes this whole thing go, and he won't be considered. But you said it. He's elevated his star quotient, mm-hmm. and he's proving in his absence how valuable he is. The um, Look, with Devin Booker, the Suns are averaging 122 points per 100 possessions. Pos- 100 possessions or 107 per 100 possessions without him, which is worse in the NBA. That split is the second largest for any rotation player in the NBA. <laughs> Secondarily, the Suns are 5-11 and in clutch games, 29th best in the NBA. After what we saw last year. Where they were, I think, the best of all time last yeah. year. Yeah, at certain points they yep. were, where it yep. was just a given that they were going to dominate yeah. in the last five minutes of a close game. So so either Chris Paul finds another level of fitness and sort of works his way back into star form, which I'm not betting on, yeah. or this basketball team has got to get everybody back healthy and hope for the best and, and favorable matchups. Before it's too late. Or they've got to get they've got to add a significant piece. Yeah. Not, a, not a fringe piece, a significant piece. Very true. Suns and Warriors tonight, 8 o'clock tip, 7.30 per game oh, no. on 98.7 and well, uh, say, Arizona what Sports What time's the tip? 8. Oh, great. At least it's on the road. Right? Yeah, at least you don't have yeah, to be right. from bed. Good, That's good true. point. <laughs> Coming up next, college football season came to an end last night, and hey, at least the semifinals were good. We'll get into that and more next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Pickley, Vince Morata. Pickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yet Bowers as the lead blocker in that split backfield. Bennett's going to take it and stroll into the end zone. Touchdown! Student body left. Snap it to my athletic quarterback. Get a couple of lead blockers out. TCU acts like they've never seen that play before in their life as nobody was there. No white shirts in the area code. Bennett just zipped it right over to Muscle Beach and scored easily, trotting into the end zone, standing up, and the dogs add six more. It's 23-7. 
Yeah, on their way to a 65-7 win, Bulldog Sports Network, Stetson Bennett's second touchdown run, and the description was apt. That play, he took the snap and... One uh, one offensive lineman pulled, and there was another one out there. Yeah, and he literally could have walked into the end. It was unbelievable, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it was the most one sided championship game you could imagine last night. And TCU, I agree with Max Duggan, their quarterback, who sat up at the podium after the game and said, "Look, this it's hard to believe, but this does not diminish what we accomplished this year or the, the specialness of this season." But it yeah, was good just luck with that. it was just after we finally got two good semifinal games, the Fiesta Bowl between TCU. You in Michigan was fantastic and very entertaining. Mm-hmm. The Ohio State Georgia Peach Bowl comes down to a missed field goal at the end of the game and a high scoring affair. Mm-hmm. And then you follow it up. We, we, we haven't had three good games in a playoff yet in the ninth year uh, yeah. of this whole setup. It's, it's disappointing. Well, listen, Georgia last night officially entered dynasty mode, and there have already been a lot of people who have gone nuts about how cupcakey. Georgia's schedule is next year. Mm-hmm. Next year they start with UT Martin and Ball State. Really? <laughs> UT Martin. You're a two-time national champion. UT UT Martin. Martin. Uh, what did the Tennessee coach say to the championship quarterback <laughs> during their uh, of Tennessee? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, you tried, Jared. You, you, you tried. <laughs> and Ball State. That's David Letterman University. So, <laughs> so exactly. So to me, that that this is sort of like college football. This people hate this. This is when when you get. T- Teams in college football that are way better than anybody else and don't play anybody in a regular season, this is it's not good for the sport. And yeah, that's where we're uh, at right now. Their non conference schedule next year. UT Martin. The Skyhawks, by the way. Oh. Ball okay. State. Uh UAB on September twenty third. Oh, and where's their fourth one? They don't have one scheduled yet. Anyhow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not very difficult. So, again, so it's really going to come down to a matter. Georgia will have to win two or three big games again next year, and they'll be really good again next year. And and the, the best part of last night, though, was watching Nick Saban be part of the the desk broadcast right on scene. And all they're doing, people are gushing about how it's Georgia's world now, and you can see Nick just seething. Well, David Pollock is part of the ESPN broadcast team. A Georgia alum played for the Bulldogs. Right. And he's going on and on about right. Georgia's taking over the world. And you could see the facial expression. It became it became a thing on social media last night. Nick Saban kind of reacting to it. Uh, Kirby Smart, winner of the uh, last two college football playoff championships, he, he did say this with a straight face last night. Had a will to work. They didn't listen to what everybody said about them, and everybody doubted them to start the year. And that chip on the shoulder was just big enough to create an edge for our team. Yeah. He should be he should be disqualified from coaching next year just for saying that. They well, started the AP there. poll after winning the championship yeah. and losing a lot of talent on defense, let's be honest. They were still number three in the country. By the third poll of the year, they were number one, and they stayed yeah. there all year. Nobody believed it. Shut yeah. up, they Kirby beat, Smart. They beat Oregon, what, 49-3 to three in the first game yeah. of the season. That Nobody chip bu- on our shoulder was just big enough. Yeah, that is just disgusting. So painfully cliche. Find one other thing to say. Yeah, please. Right. Why Why can't they say, we came into the season and we had such high expectations on us. We're the defending champions. That's also 
bragging. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could say that like everybody thought we were going to win, and we did. That's just as because, hard. Why do you have to play that nobody believes in us? That so much to his team is a cheap way to motivate them that they begin to believe it. Well, Tell, I mean, right? It, it could be that Kirby Smart was using that number three initial ranking. They've got you guys, the defending champions, at number three. The disrespect they're showing you is disgusting. If if they show us this disrespect all year, we'll still make the playoffs at number three. And how about now that it's said and done, Stetson Bennett is going to go down as one of the most decorated quarterbacks in college football history. He's, uh, you know, I get a lot of respect for that kid. Now, that is a kid. That's a kid who's been doubted. He's not a kid. He's an old man. He's He's older than like 16 quarterbacks who's taken snaps in the NFL. He's older than half the people that fill in for Sarah on updates. Oh, snap. I don't know if you read this, but there's a little kid apparently after the game on the Georgia sideline crying. And Kirby Smart said, what's the matter? What's the matter? And the kid was like, well, this is great, but but Stetson's not going to be here next year. And apparently Kirby had to say, kid, he's 25. He's got to go at some point. I don't know. This TCU's, is college. TCU's punter is 30. Is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. This is great, but no one believed in us. No one believed us. I can't get past it. Stetson Bennett, congratulations. Great story. Guy who bet on himself. Had to go the college, the junior college route. Worked his way up the depth chart. Now has won two national championships. Punchable face. Yeah, got, got over got over having to carry that name around. Yeah. Stetson Bennett the third, right? I saw a great tweet. That guy isn't made for the PGA Tour. I, I, I saw a great tweet last night, <laughs> and I forgot to jot it down uh, uh-huh. to give credit where credit is due, but it was like, Stetson Bennett, Lad McConkey, mm. Brock Bowers. This is like a this isn't a Georgia football team. This sounds like an Ivy League lacrosse team. Yeah, I think that was the the roster of that polo match that you uh, broadcast or whatever. That's right. Stetson Bennett. Yeah, Lad right. McConkey. Brock the, um, Bowers. The, yes, that's exactly what it's kind of like. So I, you know. To me, to me, this is something where he, Matt Leinart and A.J. McCarron, the only guys this century to win back-to-back. So, yeah, he vaulted himself in some pretty lofty territory. And Matt Leinart only won it on technicality because he won an AP1 and a... Oh, yes, that's true. But he, he, he also the, uh, won a Heisman uh, where Bennett was only a finalist for the Heisman. And I said it at Heisman time, and I still... You know, Georgia would have won this with pretty much anybody at quarterback. Yeah. That's probably and Bennett was, he's a lot better than I thought he was. And last year, mm-hmm. on their way to their first championship, I thought he would be the downfall. Like, they got the defense, but do they have enough quarterback? He was more than enough quarterback. So, again, credit to him. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like his face. That's yeah, all. listen, so we've got, one, we've got one more year of college football nonsense to deal with, and then everything is going to change, hopefully, with this expanded playoff. One more year of nonsense. You think it's really going to change? I... I hope. I mean, look, I, I the good the good thing about this new system, this new twelve team playoff, is these elite teams. What is it, the top four aren't playing in the first round? Mm-hmm. They all get buys, mm-hmm. so you're not going to see a one twelve matchup, which is what last night would look like a one twelve matchup. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. Listen, I th- I thought we've had a lot of bad college football playoff games. I thought the Washington Alabama game was really. You watch that and you're like, Washington's got no chance. They've got no. Oh, Michigan State made Michigan a playoff State, appearance. Yes. They got absolutely blown got, out by Alabama. And but last night was the last night was by far the the worst. worst. 
Uh, coming up next, Michael Bidwell unveiled his plan and the order of that plan, but he left an opening. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday, live from the Akchin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.